The throwback is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, it's quick, and easy to navigate, and it's not just sports tickets, but also music and theater tickets as well. So head over to the App Store or Play Store, download Game Time, and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Another edition of the Throwback. I'm your host Chris Meany of the Athletic, joined by Jake Seeley of the Athletic and Brad Ziegler of the Athletic. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us today. If you are listening on uh, Freeverse, as Jake likes to call it, thanks. We appreciate it. Rate and review. Tell your friends. Go to theathletic.com/slash/the-throwback. We'll get you 40% off a subscription at the Athletic. You'll be able to see everything here. The plus 100 podcasts that we have in Jake's waiver wire article. As well, it will come out at 12.01. Guys, we have some news. I was you know, going to start the show with Latavius Murray being a top back, Tevin Coleman, four TDs on 13 touches, Matt Schaub throwing for nearly 500 yards, Jake's boy Daniel Jones currently QB1, but we do have some news off the top, and it's surrounded around Kenyon Drake. According to Adam Schefter, Arizona has reached an agreement in principle to trade a conditional 2020 draft pick to Miami for Kenyon Drake. We already know Drake was ruled out of tonight's football game, so we expected to trade Chase Edmonds, very unlikely to play on Thursday. But, Jake, I think this is more concerning for David Johnson going forward. Yeah, that's what I said. I don't want to start the show with this, though, because we have to have a moment of silence to pour one out for Deshaun Hamilton. <laughs> so let's take that real quick. Hold on. No laughing. Shh. I'm pouring one out. I'm pouring out. So, anyway, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But, look, yeah, I said this to you as soon as we talked about it before the show when Brad told us about the trade and said we had the breaking news. And as my initial reaction was, this is more damning for David Johnson because Brad mentioned it. I mean, even said this before the show. Maybe you should have went to Brad first, but he's the one who said, you know, it's interesting that you heard the report yesterday that Drake wasn't traveling. And then this quick this morning after Chase Edmonds injury, like things don't generally usually fall together that quickly. Like his question was whether or not there was another team involved in general and they just knew they were going to get a deal done and whether or not the Cardinals changed anything. I lean a little bit more towards it. Again, we don't know. I'm just speculating, but this kind of feels like because it's the NFL and because there is obviously the Cardinals probably were interested at least a little bit, but it kind of feels to me like, hey, if you move this quickly the morning after, we know it's a short week. As you said, Chase Evans is not going to suit up by Thursday. Then this makes me feel like, well, David Johnson's not going to either because they just signed Alfred Morris and Zach Zenner. So if that's not enough backup for David Johnson, like I said, this makes me feel like I'm I'm legitimately now at the point where I wonder if David Johnson is running into Todd Gurley 2018 and how much do we see him the rest of the way, period. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, he's not he's not getting any younger. He's he's you know starting to kind of creep up to that age where running backs start to to fall off, you know, outside of Frank Gore and 
and it's it's it, back injuries are tough, man. They they can linger. They can you know they're easy to to reaggravate. Um, you know, and, and Drake's a good running back, and he's a free agent after this year. So from the Cardinals standpoint, <clears throat> they might be just looking and saying like, hey, this is our guy for the rest of this year. Um, we're not having to give up a whole lot, but it at least they're trying to protect Kyler Murray here. They're trying to protect their franchise quarterback, give him some sort of a running game um, to, to at least take a little heat off of him. Because yesterday, even when Chase Edmonds was in the game, they had nothing against the Saints. They, the Saints defense is just flat out dominant, especially at home. Um, they're like they're far and away my favorites in the NFC. I, I think they're a lot better even than the 49ers who have a really good team. But I just think with Breeze, Breeze back at quarterback, there is no stopping the Saints um especially if they can get home field advantage but we that being said it's it's it is a it's a very interesting move because i do think there were probably other teams the lions probably top of the list um who who were interested in Kenyon drake and um you know especially they didn't use ty johnson a whole lot yesterday and and he wasn't overly effective when they did use him and it makes me wonder you know if all of a sudden the cardinals didn't just jump in after the edmonds injury and say Hey, we'll you know we'll give you our fourth if the Lions were giving you their fourth, and we'll give you our fourth, and it's it's going to be a higher fourth than you know what the Lions have. Then, um, and then the the Dolphins said, "All right, fine, get it done." Yeah, we'll we'll get into Detroit's situation a little bit. Matt Patricia, you know, pulling a Matt Patricia for sure. I mean, <laughs> going over to his New England days, really. I mean, just being involved in New England. I know he's not calling the shots over there offensively, but it did have like a New England feel yesterday with with the running backs, but. Do you like the Drake, Jake? Do you hate the Drake? You know, short week, new with the team, San Fran, undefeated, just looked so dominant again yesterday against Carolina. Like, I wonder if you have him. I mean, if you're in a pinch, you obviously pick him up, but how would you treat him? I know it's early with your rankings and the waiver wire, but if there's no Chase Edmonds and Alfred Morris is hanging around in Zach Center or whatever, like – We've been let down before with Kenyon Drake multiple times in this offense. If Edmonds is out long term, is he a RB one? Is that too high? Is he no. an RB two? Okay, well, how do you feel? Uh, well, for first for this week specifically, it was you started the question with. I'll ask you a question. It's is anything three like very Christ- tough schedules. Games. Is it anything? Well, I was just gonna say for this week, is it anything like Chase you know, Christian McCaffrey? Because that's the only person that does anything against the 49ers. So, and then the rest of the offense got shut down. And then basically, there's not you can't do anything to stop Christian McCaffrey. So that's why he's Christian McCaffrey. But Kenyon Drake, I don't care if it's the 49ers, I don't care if it's the Giants. He's a RB two the rest of the way for me, and probably more mid to low than mid to upper. Uh, because you know, even the feature on the Cardinals, you mentioned it, it's more about the schedule. It's more about the offensive line play. I don't get. I mean, Kingsbury. Should have known, but like, I, I sit there. You know this. I, I sit here and say every single week that coaches are smarter than we give them credit for. They know more than we do. But at the same time, as Brad was mentioning, we all know you don't run up against the middle or up the middle against the Saints. I, I don't understand why they didn't try to get Chase Edmonds into space and give him the ball as a pass catching receiver. As a, like that's what he's good at. It's not. He's a lot like David Johnson, and he has that ability. And it, that that game just before even he got hurt, was kind of knuckleheadedness. And I don't know that Kingsbury in his first year in the NFL with Kenyon Drake, does he do the same idiotic things against the 49ers? If they face twice over the, what, is the next three weeks, four yeah, weeks? Take three, goes yeah, San Fran, weeks. Tampa, San Fran. It's awful. Yeah, so so what week are you going to want to dry, roll him out there? There's a 16 by, uh, is that's about to hit, so I can understand that week, but even so. I, I, I think again, they have a I, bye then. Yeah, San Fran, they, Tampa, they San 12. Fran, bye, and then Rams. Pittsburgh they're on the 16 by, they're on it? Maybe it's either uh, week, week 10 or week 12 that that happens. It's week 12. 
No, week twelve so, is four games. But well, week twelve is, is okay. So it's week ten, then. so they're they're at Tampa, which is an elite run defense, anyways. But well, so that's what I'm right. saying is you still you might have to start them that week. I mean, you have the Broncos with two running backs, the Patriots with 17, the Eagles with two, the Redskins or whatever, Jacksonville with Leonard Fournette, and then Houston with two. You're you're probably going to have to start Drake. I don't even care. That's the only unfortunate situation of it. Yeah, yeah, you're dead on. I mean, week ten there's there's six teams on by, and and week nine we have four here. So. I mean, yeah, you could be in a situation. Obviously, if you're if you're feeling pretty good about your backs and you grab this guy and you have him, you know, maybe you can flip him. I mean, you can turn around and flip him. And you know, Brad, you mentioned Ty Johnson. You were able to flip him. I was able to flip him as well. I mean, this is all about fantasy football. Is is selling high and, and buying low like right away? Any takeaways from Miami standpoint? It's still the Dolphins after all. But are you are you excited about anyone stepping up? Maybe Walton in that offense, Jake. Oh, yeah. I have Walton on quite a few teams already just because, you know, I've said this since the preseason is I didn't have any faith in anybody being the guy with the Dolphins because it's a new regime and they're going to find out what they want to find out for next year. I I even thought Miles Gaskin was going to be a thing potentially at the beginning of the year because they drafted Miles Gaskin. But they also signed Mark Walton after he got cast off from the Bengals for off the field stuff. They had no ties to Drake. They had no ties to Balazs. This is a team that drafted Gaskin and brought in Walton. So, I'm not saying I'm Nostradamus over here, but I felt these guys were going to get a chance. One of them were going to get a chance. So now it's Walton. Walton's already been given a chance before they traded Drake, and they're moving on. So I think Walton has to be in the Drake conversation of what he was before this. Actually, I, to be honest with you, I'd probably take Walton over Drake. I was going to ask that. I was going to follow up with that. Yeah, rest of the season, Walton or Drake. What do you What do you think, Brad? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think you probably got to go Walton, yeah. um, just at least in a PPR. I, I don't know that he's going to get a, a, a ton of carries, but I just think he's going to get a lot of looks and <clears throat> you'll get some volume. The Dolphins are going to be playing from behind, um, you know, dump off, dump off to the running back or, or the specialties um, to a lot of teams playing from behind. So, so I think it's very possible. And, and the one thing about him, like at least long term, you know, he's, he's still staring at a suspension, right, from the off-the-field issues that, you know, so beginning of next year, that could that could flare itself up a little bit. So in, in a dynasty league, keeper league, um, you know, I, I would be a little more concerned as far as his value going into next year. Um, at the same time, there's, I mean, they have so many draft picks. They have so many draft picks next year. They're going to just completely alter the the face of this team. And, you know, it'll it'll probably start with, with Tua or whoever at quarterback with the first pick. And then after that, it's going to be really interesting to see how they start building it. And, and they, you know, there are a lot of really good running backs in next year's draft. So there's a chance that they go and grab one of those guys in the second or third round and, and try to create a playmaker out of it. Yeah. Really looking forward to week 16 when Miami plays Cincinnati, that's going to be a, a real <laughs> good game. I mean, someone's going to have to, to win that game. I would love to see a tie actually. They, they are going to do everything they can. Both teams are going to do everything they can to lose that game. It'll be because they're they're going to be zero and fourteen or whatever up to that point, and so that'll be determining who gets the first pick. Well, Kalen Balaj has been, you know, he hasn't done anything. I know he's got back to back games with touchdowns, but he's had six carries in his last two games. He's got twenty five on the season. Sure, maybe he's going to touch the ball a little bit more, but for Mark Walton, I mean, thirty rushing attempts, fourteen a season high in his last game. I, I think you know he. I agree with you, Jake. I think the rest of the way it's probably. Certainly, Walton. There's a lot going on in Arizona. You don't know about David Johnson. Weeks. Yeah, at least for the next three weeks, for <laughs> sure. You know, obviously the game tonight, Pittsburgh, and then the Jets, Indy, looking at the schedule, Buffalo, Buffalo, Cleveland, Philly's not great. Giants, maybe week 15. <laughs> that Bengals game, maybe you're in the championship and you're rolling out Mark Walton against the Bengals week 16. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it's 
I, I like him a lot going forward. Nine catches, 11 targets. He's at least going to get some work. Maybe I don't like him a lot, but you know what I mean. He's, he's at least going to get some opportunity. Sticking in that same game, I just wanted to bring up Latavius again to you guys because we, we mentioned him last week and we just said, yeah, you know, he's had some games where he catches balls and, you know, he's he's at least shown us that before in the past. I don't know if we expected this. Jake, 12 targets and nine grabs for Latavius Murray. I, I joked with you yesterday I want, you know, Alvin Kamara just to go away. And and we also said Latavius would be a, a decent sell-high candidate. But when Kamara comes back after the bye, we haven't seen a lot of games. Just one with Breeze, Kamara, and Latavius. Is he? How do you expect it to go going forward with Kamara in there? Is he a for-sure flex start, a low-end RB2? Like, how are you treating both of these backs, I guess, when, when Kamara's fully healthy? No, it's the same for me. It's the same as it was last year, which was what we thought going into this season. And he's Mark Ingram. That's what it's going to be. He's, most weeks, he's going to be a flex running back, fringy, close to RB2 value. And there's going to be weeks where he produces, even with Kamara out there as an RB1, there's going to be weeks where he produces as an, oh, crap, I got four points and I didn't want to start him. That's the frustration of being the second part of that timeshare. But I think we talked about it. We all thought the same thing. We all agree. And I don't know that any of our opinions changed, but we'll see. Uh, we all said it was, he was brought in to be Mark Ingram. He's replacing Mark Ingram. And for all the people that are disrespecting Latavius Murray, it's like, hey, guess what? We've seen Mark Ingram do his thing. We've seen Latavius Murray now do his thing with the Saints. But we had already seen Murray do his thing with the Vikings. I don't understand why so, pe- so many people are so Raiders. hesitant. Well, yeah, yeah, so yeah. – I mean, I, I don't understand. Like, I, Obviously, if somebody's running back needy, you try to sell high. If somebody's going to give you top 15 running back value and you have the depth, that, that's important too. But I, I wouldn't sell him just to get rid of him off your team because he could still roll out there as a flex. This guy's saving seasons, Brad. I mean, over 60 fantasy points and a half point setting over the last two weeks. I mean, nearly 50 carries. I mean, he's been very, really impressive. And, yeah, we've all been fans, and I know like people listening, oh, you're bringing up Latavius Murray again. But, Jake, you're right, and we've said this so many times throughout the year. He's just He was so disrespected in the fantasy community. He was dropped. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. I know there was some dead games, but, but Brad, I mean, even going forward, I think you just play him knowing what the Saints can do. And looking at the schedule, I mean, Atlanta coming up a couple times. I mean, there's some good spots going forward. Yeah, for sure. And this this is the thing. A lot of people in the offseason were drafting Alvin Kamara. We're talking about Alvin Kamara saying he they're going to use him as a bell cow. Like Murray's not going to be – he's just kind of a handcuff. And I think the fact that Kamara got hurt just shows – it shows the Saints. It shows everybody else. This guy cannot handle a an every-down workload all year long. So I think going forward, they're going to show – put Latavius Murray in there a whole lot more. He's going to be – I'm not saying a 50-50 timeshare or anything like that, but I could see him easily getting 40% of the snaps. And and Kamara's still going to be dynamic. He's still going to make big plays. He's going to be completely healthy coming off the bye after the, you know, the the couple weeks off. And it's going to just make this offense that much tougher because now you're going to start seeing both of these guys on the field at the same time. Teams not knowing how to defend him. Taysom Hill is is still relevant as a basically as a wide receiver at this point, which is is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. And Michael Thomas is completely unstoppable. Like it doesn't matter. That, I mean, he's on pace to break records for for catches in a season. And it doesn't matter who else they throw out there. It, the Saints offense just works. And now when you've got another running back that they completely trust and they show that they they completely have faith in giving him the ball in any situation. There and, and Breeze showed it yesterday, throwing throwing him the ball twelve times, nine catches. Breeze is fine giving him the ball, and so going forward, that's not going to change anything. It's it's just going to be a really good offense going forward, and you want pieces of it. Period. 
So yesterday I was in Buffalo and, you know, watched the Eagles roll the Bills. But the one thing about going to a live football game, unfortunately, I like to set up at home. And I know you guys do as well with, you know, all the games. You want to watch them all. You got red zone. So, I, I you know, I'll be honest. I missed some games. I saw some highlights. I saw some box scores. And I, I wanted to lead this show with each of your guys' biggest takeaways. Of course, we got Kenyon Drake out of the way. Jake, what was your biggest takeaway from Week 8? I already told you. Deshaun? I don't want to bring it back up. Hamilton, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> one target and zero catches. That's your biggest takeaway? You just thought he was going to get a, a ton of workload in, in his first game with Emmanuel gone? Uh, yeah, why wouldn't he? What do they need to see more? Oh, how about the guy producing at the end of last year with Case Keenum? Or do we not need to like? Do we need to see more? Do we need to not know that he can't handle being in the starting lineup? Do we have to see the fact that he got 45 snaps to Fred Brown's 46, but the Fred Brown's concerning? Like, do we need to see more? Yeah, absolutely. I did think he was immediately going to be in the starting lineup. I ranked him at wide receiver 48 or 49 or something like that. So it's not like he was a must start. But I don't know what they're dicking around waiting for. So yeah, 100. percent like jokes aside about pouring one out for him like this is like, like whatever he needs to get tougher is what the quote like the quote was earlier in the week or whatever i forget what the word word it wasn't it was a word for tougher like you, you want to coach speak him up we talked about it if are we really that worried about his toughness like how are you gonna get tougher if you're not playing snaps this is again i think this is coaches I, whatever I, I just went on the whole thing about how coaches are smarter and all that type of stuff at the same time we do it every single year matt nagy is the proof that coaches aren't always smarter than what we think they are and i don't how else do you expect the sean hamill to get tougher if you're not even giving him opportunities not only that, but Flacco came out after the game yesterday and just blasted the play calling. I at the loved end of that it, game. by the way. They, they, yeah, they had a 13 to 12 lead, and and they he said basically said they they were afraid to go for that first down. They were just just playing field position, trying to make him use their timeouts, and they ended up giving the ball back to him with a minute and 40 left, and it gave the the Colts plenty of time to go down the field and and kick the it the, it was a 51 yard field goal, but they could have put more. They could have made that a shorter field goal. They were playing almost to like run the clock down and not give Denver the ball back because they they were kneeling or quarterback sneaking or something just to to put the ball in position and give give Vinatieri a long field goal but he he basically called him out on it and I love it like he's like he's like look we're 2 and 6 like what do we have to lose and and we're playing scared and I like at that point, I'm all for it. Like I, I, I don't think Flacco's a top half quarterback or anything like that. But I love the fact that he wants to try to win the game himself, and that could have been a big game for the 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 AFC South standings with the Colts. If the Colts would have lost that game, it would have let the Texans right back in. And or sorry, the if the was it the Texans they were playing or Colts? They were playing the Te Colts. Colts, right? Yeah. So it would have let the Texans right back in because the Texans were playing the Raiders, and and it's it's like. And the Texans were trailing a lot of that game, and and all of a sudden it could have just completely changed the landscape of that of that uh, division. And so the, the the Broncos had to realize they're not playing for anything this year. It's almost like they, we've talked about this before, like they kind of want to lose maybe and and improve their draft pick situation better because there are quarterbacks in next year's draft that maybe they want to go up and get because they've shown such a uh, they've done such a good job of scouting quarterbacks in the last few years. <laughs> yeah, they've done such a, a great job. I love Flacco's. I loved his quotes. And I mean, it, right here for those who haven't, I, I would suggest to go just watch the video. I know people like they're all over Flacco, but I, I loved every second of what he said. I thought he was dead on. This is a guy that wants to win at this point of his career. He doesn't want to play conservative. And Denver's lost some some pretty close games this year. So I won't read it all, but I mean, come on. This is this is a here, here quote. I mean, come on. I just look at it like 
We're now a two and six football team, and we're like he says like a lot. Afraid to go for it in a two minute drill, you know. Like, who cares if you give the ball back to the guys with 140 left? They obviously got the field goal anyway. Once again, we're a two and six football team, and it just feels like we're kind of afraid to lose the game. So, hearing that and hearing the and seeing the offense, Jake, are you actually just? straight up pouring one out for Hamilton, you're completely done with him? Or do you see going forward, maybe he just will be a bigger part of the offense, I guess, if he gets tougher? Well, there's two things. First of all, let's think about the fact of what we're talking about, that Joe Flacco's the voice of reason. That's all. I mean, that kind of tells you all that you need to know about what's going on with Denver. It's the same thing. With, like this, It's funny that Matt Nagy did the exact same thing with the Bears. I got a text from my buddy who's a Bears fan with like a meme of, like, go for it with another timeout, and, you know, you just need a few more yards to make an easy field goal. Yeah. Or the other button was waste the time and kick a really long one and shank it because that's what you guys do. And it's like he's stressing out over the pick, and it's just, like – this is two teams that are doing the same thing. So Joe Flacco is 100% right, like Brad said, like you said. And going forward, it, like Deshaun Hamilton was never going to be top 25. Uh, Carlton Sutton can be, but he was never going to be top 25 because it actually comes down to Joe Flacco. And it comes down to Joe Flacco and his play. So Flacco deserves plenty of blame at times, and probably week to week he's going to do things that it is, it deserves blame. But he's not completely that being Hamilton, not completely like I'm not going to turn around and drop him unless I'm in a shallow league and I need help immediately next week. You know, you obviously make the swap for like a Walton or Drake, but uh, we'll talk more and it'll be in the waiver column. So I don't want to get rid of him because the snaps are very close to Fred Brown. And if you're telling me him versus Fred Brown, unless you are the biggest idiot in football head coach wise, and you want to lose your job, you're not starting Fred Brown over Deshaun Hamilton. I don't care if you're not a fan of his, like I am even so still, um, Brad, what was your biggest takeaway from week eight? Uh, I, I honestly, um, I, I, I was surprised how bad the 49ers beat the Panthers. Um, I know it was in, in Carolina and I know we've talked about some of the, their reservations with Kyle Allen. Um, at the same time, you know, Christian McCaffrey was able to basically do whatever he wanted and the Panthers still could not muster more than 13 points. The 49ers defense is, is. I mean, extremely legitimate, but their running game is just incredible. It doesn't matter who they put out there. It's Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert. Doesn't matter. Like they even ran Debo Samuel a couple times, and and Jeff Wilson got a couple carries and had a big one that was called back by a holding call, um, but he could have had another 50 yards tacked onto his day too. And so it was just it, it's really impressive because I thought the Panthers had a pretty good defense, and I thought with that defense maybe they get Cam back. Uh, you know, healthy here in a week or two, and they might legitimately have a chance to be a playoff team. And after watching that game, they have a lot of soul searching to do because I, I don't think they're a as good as what they had showed previously. And they, we'll see. We'll see if they, if they, how they bounce back and respond to it. Yeah, I got to, um, I mean, they hold ourselves accountable, you know, on this show and other shows. And Best on the Board is one that you can catch with, with Michael Beller and myself where we get picks. And I really thought that Carolina was going to be able to keep this game close, and they were never in it. I mean, Kyle Allen went in with seven touchdowns and zero interceptions. He threw three. I believe he was sacked six times in the first half. San Fran, we know about their defense and how good it was. And, Jake, I know you liked Tevin Coleman on the DFS footballer show. You, you threw him out there. Four touchdowns on 13 touches is probably not what you expected, though. No, nobody expected that. Nobody expected Matt Breida to get banged up. And doesn't say, I don't know, that's still up in the air of Matt Breida. But yeah. the going forward, the same thing, and you, you, I heard the little laugh back there because Joe is right in the fact that, you know, for DFS purposes, you're always worried when the touches are never going to get ever to 20, you know, for if everybody's healthy. And, you know, most cases it's even 15 or potentially less. But at the same time, the counter argument, and what I made about Tevin Coleman was, 
He's better than Garrett Blunt. For what Garrett Blunt was doing that one year with the Patriots and just scoring touchdowns like a madman, at least Tevin Coleman's also putting yards up on top of it. It's not just eight carries with you know six of them being in the goal line area. It's 12 to 15 touches every single week, and he is the goal line back, and he is a powerful straight-line runner, which we always talk about that was actually his deficiency of asking to get too much at initially with Shanahan, and that's why the split was there with Freeman. But Shanahan ha- knows how to use him. He learned very quick how to use him with the yeah. Col- with the with the Falcons too, and that's why we saw there was weeks where Coleman and Devontae Freeman both finished as RB ones. So he's now the lead. He's now the red zone option. Like I don't understand even in DFS. Like people need to be more in love with Tevin Coleman, and I, I don't know why they're so hesitant. I think they're just really scared because most backfield committees, like the Patriots and now the Lions and all that stuff, most of them burn us, and I think that's the concern. Yeah, most of them do burn us, but Brad, they want to run the football. That's what they want to do. So I agree, Jake. I don't understand where the Tevin Coleman hate is. You know, even if you just give him 10 to 15 touches with Shanahan and the fact that they do want to run the football, maybe he won't get all the goal line work. We've seen him get some, but we've also seen Jeff Wilson come in and get some when he is active. But yeah, for Coleman, I mean, he's been pretty solid. But I look at Jimmy Garoppolo again. I mean, 22 throws, doesn't have to throw the football. 175 yards a week before that, 151. Week 5, 181. Week 1, 161. He's got nine touchdowns and seven picks. Brad, I just don't even know how good he is. And when is he going to get tested? Is it week 10 against Seattle? Because Arizona coming up, I mean, this probably just going to be on a Thursday night. Probably just going to be another run-heavy game for them. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Like it's he right now. We you're right. We don't know how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. <clears throat> At the same time, I think that the Tevin Coleman, what he's doing in San Francisco, is all the more reason to get Dan Quinn fired in in Atlanta. The fact that he <laughs> could not get anything out of Tevin Coleman last year, it's like man, what like th- this guy sh- showed last year when he had an opportunity, he was not that great. And it really makes you question, what were they doing with him that is so different in San Francisco now? Because every run, it feels like he's got a shot to break it for a big gain. And, I mean, 11 carries, 105 yards, three touchdowns. Like, that's that's an unbelievable line. And it doesn't matter. It's not like he just had one long run that, that got him all those yards. It was every run was like 8, 9, 10 yards. It was just, it was really impressive. And and they're doing this without Kyle Juszczyk, who is, is typically a huge part of their running game as a fullback. And, and he's out several weeks, and it, it doesn't matter. Like, at this point, they are just a, a legit team. I still think the, the Saints are better, and I, I think it honestly might come down to who gets home field advantage out of those two teams um, for, for who's going to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And, and I think whoever wins it has a really good chance to – um, to to win the Super Bowl, but I do think it, at this point I would favor New Orleans. Jake, is San Fran Super Bowl contenders? That's uh, contenders, yes. I'm still taking them. I, like, the I Saints are the best right. team I mean, in football. I mean, it's, well, my, and you guys know this, my Super Bowl pick was the Patriots versus the Saints, so I wouldn't change anyway. Is what I, Even if the Saints, like three weeks ago when there was hesitation about Teddy Bridgewater, you know, D'Angelo asked me that on that podcast. He's like, you're going to change now? I'm like, I'm not going to change. I don't, you know this, Chris, we've done shows together before. I don't change my picks in the middle of the season. Even if the injuries crop up, I'll say I'll pick a new one because it's not going to happen, but not to replace. Like, I'm still wrong. So I'm not changing, I'm not changing at this point even if San Francisco is 15-0 at the end of the season. I still I, I don't know what would really change. If there's a healthy Drew Brees, I don't know what's going to change my opinion of the Saints being the best team. 
Yeah, I, I had the Saints in there as well. Unfortunately, I had the Chargers going to the Super Bowl. Uh, even though they were able to squeak out a win against the Chicago Bears, 17-16, to 16, uh, that was one of my biggest takeaways. Like I said, I wasn't able to to watch a lot of football live yesterday, but you know, David Montgomery gets two carries the week before, and Matt Nagy says he's not an idiot. He knows he needs to run the football after running it a franchise low, a franchise low, seven times in week seven against the Saints. He gets 27 carries, 135 yards, has a touchdown, catches four balls. This is really kind of breakout game with a couple rookies really Miles Sanders has a decent game Devin Singletary not amazing but he he was a little bit more involved and, and caught the touchdown now because Jake most likely nobody started Dave Montgomery unless you were in a real pinch and you couldn't be rolling this guy out every week and getting one to two points now that he's had a big game yeah. do you like him moving forward or is this automatically you know a flip obviously it depends on context you need to have backs but if you're a Montgomery owner, do you feel better or are you flipping them? Because this is a time uh, to do it, right? It is, no, as, uh, I'm laughing because Matt, I, we just talked about it. Matt Nagy is still an idiot. Just look at the end of that game. Look at how they handled the end of that game and put like, the situation with a timeout on the board. You probably could have ran three plays. I don't know if it was first down or not, so I can't say that. So I'm assuming. You, but you had time to probably run three plays if you had a first down or whatever it might be. You understand the point there. So – they lost the game because Matt. Like, I'm not saying the kicker is going to make it for the haha band kickers. They're not going to make it if they're five, ten yards closer. But the truth is, is he's still an idiot, and that's I say that. <laughs> well, no, you laugh, but I say that because that's why I immediately sell high because yeah. I don't trust him. Yes, next week is against the Lions. I want to start David Montgomery against the Lions, but that's why I want to get away from it because. I'm going to start David Montgomery now. I am going to. He finally got his work. He's finally getting what he deserves as a workload. You know, Terry Cohen was still involved quite a bit in that game. But I'm looking at the Lions for this game and they're saying, you know, the Rams after that, the Giants, the Lions again. He's got a nice schedule coming up, but I don't trust Nagy. I don't trust that he's not going to come out of this game and all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, he got his 12 touches. That's all he needed. And, you know, if he has a few – his runs are somewhat kind of like Leonard Fournette, where it's like, hey, look, he had these two big runs, but the rest of them he averaged 2.2 yards a carry. So, you know, what if it's a 12 yards? And, you know, we've seen it before, 12 carries for 33 yards, and then you're pissed off again. So, yes, I'm, I'm selling high immediately. Please. And, and, and Brad, you know, to Jake's point, I mean, he does Detroit, L.A., Giants, Detroit. That's, that's pretty nice. I mean, week 16, if you can get there with Montgomery even on your roster in fantasy football championships, you know, a good spot there. But Philly this week, it's probably a bit of a down, a letdown game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Philly is not a good team to run against. This might be the one week where you think you might want to stream Mitch Trubisky. I don't know. Like, that's that's still risky to me, but the, the <laughs> fact that they're playing the Eagles, like, it's it's not going to get a better matchup. <laughs> I'd rather start so. Dave Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, at least, at least at this point, like, it, they had, they at least showed a game where they used Montgomery as a bell cow. Like, it's at least in the realm of possibility. And they still got Tariq Cohen the ball some. They got Mike Davis the ball some. So, it, it was just a game flow thing where they finally said, look, we we are hamstrung by our quarterback here. Our best shot to win a game is with our running backs because if we keep putting the ball in Trubisky's hands, we're going to keep losing. And and granted, they at least had had a chance to win the game. I mean, missed missed a, uh, a bad field goal at the end where, you know, it looked like the the win just kind of, you know, took the ball to the left. That's what happens in Chicago. And and um, I loved. I don't know if you all saw Pat McAfee going off this morning uh, about about Adam Vinatieri and how he's the best of all time. And he's like, that's why you have you get the goat at your kicker, and you you that's why he's so much better than Eddie Pinheiro. And he basically just called you know called out any of the Bears kickers 
uh, for the last couple of years because they they basically have been the the reason they're not winning games. The reason they're so not in a Super Bowl last year is because was Vinatieri missing a field goal. There, uh... <laughs> yeah, and he yeah, and he he was saying that he's like it doesn't matter what happened before when the game's on the line. This is the best. This is why you want him over Pinheiro. Anyways, he game wouldn't like, need to be on the line. line. Since they let Sorry. Robbie Gold go, the Bears are <laughs> the Bears are, are are a mediocre team. They were a good team last year. They got beat by missing field goals, and then all of a sudden this year, it's they have a bad quarterback. They they need to stop pretending that Mitch Trubisky is their franchise quarterback. They got to go in and get somebody else, whether it's in the draft, whether it's um, you know uh, signing a free agent. I don't know who's available, who might be available. Tom Brady, get go get Tom Brady. Andy Dalton. Because it sounds it sounds like all the talk right now is him potentially leaving New England. Like why not go and pay thirty million, thirty five million dollars to get Tom Brady to move to Chicago? Don't we do this every year with Tom Brady? Like honestly, so this is the first year he's ever legitimately been a free agent after the season for the first time in his entire career. It just so, feels like he's either a Patriot or he's done. I, I just can't – I know he probably wants to play football another couple more years. and uh, I don't know that he does. You think he, he just – one more win and that's it, go out on top? Like, I mean, I, mean, I think – I, I saw a report this week that he's he's really frustrated with the fact that he they brought in Josh Gordon, they brought in Antonio Brown, and he spent a lot of time apparently working with them, trying to help them learn the offense, and all of a sudden they're both just gone. And, and it's – and obviously Antonio Brown has some other circumstances going on, but it sounds like Josh Gordon is going to be back in a week or two. And so they're, they must've been frustrated with something else outside of, you know, a potential, you know, minor knee injury or whatever. So, but it's, there was that. And then there's, I think they, I saw someone say that Brady didn't feel like he was supported very well in the deflate gate thing where, you know, Belichick was basically saying like, I don't know what they do with the balls. You'll have to talk to Tom, talk to the quarterbacks about that. Cause I don't know what they do. And it basically just kind of like let, let Tom out there on a, on a fishing line and fit him for himself. And um, so I don't know who knows if, you know, the, his house is up for sale. Like we've seen all this stuff before. Um, but the fact that he is legitimately a free agent after the year for the first time in literally his entire career, then there is at least a chance that, that maybe, you know, maybe I think he would be a great fit for the bears. And just because, they have a defense and enough weapons on offense where they could be a legit Super Bowl contender right now if they did not have Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback. Poor Tom. Uh, what's more likely, Jake? Tom Brady is playing for another football team next year or Mitch Trubisky's a bear? Uh, how about more likely I don't give a damn. <laughs> Trubisky, Trubisky <laughs> could be a bear. He just may not be the starter. Listen, I don't think – just I because it's Tom Brady – Tom, I don't feel like if Tom Brady just went to Chicago, he would be good and this offense would be great. I haven't been completely sold on well, Tom was, Brady and New he's not going offense. To, he's not going to Chicago anyway because he's not going to play for another idiot. Well, yeah. not for another idiot, for an idiot of that level if he's that frustrated right now. Look, I actually – on a serious note for Trubisky, I, I said this to my buddy yesterday. I feel bad for him at this point. Like, I feel like he, he was – was never going to get away from the Mahomes Watson thing for his entire career, and now as bad as things are going, like this is starting to. This is like Ryan Leaf territory now. Like this is he's never going to be. I don't, you know what, Brad? I want to ask you about that. Like as a player, like if you ever had, I don't know. There's not a lot to compare, especially with the way that you pitch. But you know, if you knew your entire career, you were going to be constantly compared to two of the best in the game. And no matter what you did outside of like winning a championship, you were just never going to be able to overcome that. Like that's got a way on you as a player. For sure. And, and at some point you, it's really hard. Everybody says like, Oh, just tune out the media, whatever. Like you can't in today's day and age, you cannot tune out the media. 
Um, you can't tune out what's being written. Like people remind you of it when you're walking down the sidewalk, especially in a big city like Chicago. It's if you have a bad game, everybody will let you know about it, and you can't you can't even like go out to a restaurant without dealing with with stuff. So, it, yeah, he he's fully aware. I you do feel bad for him because it's. Like he he's going out there and it's not like he's not trying. He's giving it everything he's got. The bottom line is the expectations were too high to begin with. He should not have been the number two pick in the draft. And now it's it's, it's kind of exposing itself. That being said, there isn't anything he can do about that. It's not his fault he was picked second. It's not his fault that that he's in a big city like Chicago with the, the market they have. All he can do is go out and work hard. All he can do is go out and, and try to prepare for the next game, be as good a quarterback as he can be, and all the other cliches you want to throw in there. But that's all he can really do. And he doesn't – there's so much stuff that you don't have control over, and you have to try to find a way to get past that stuff. Yeah, he, he definitely – I feel the same way too, Jay, kind of watching him. It seems like he's just completely down. I mean, this Bears team, the loss yesterday, they fall to – Three and four, the Bears are are one and nine when Trubisky throws the ball at least thirty five times. So when the ball's in his hands and they're trying to get back in games and make things happen, he can't get it done. He's yet to throw for over two hundred. I mean, yesterday's two hundred fifty three yards were a season high for him, and it was. I mean, that's that's <laughs> he's got so bad. The same same ghost bothering Sam Darnold or bothering him too. <laughs> what Jacksonville fair? What what they were doing yesterday with Sam Darnold? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I think so <laughs> I fair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, look, if we're going to, I don't know if you saw the highlight, if we're going to have people out there joking players for their height, yeah, you know, then, I mean, sure. anything's free game. I mean, we've heard it from before. Uh, this is another one to go back to the D'Angelo Williams thing is Philip Rivers by other people, including D'Angelo, as you mentioned that he was one of the worst or still is, I guess, one of the worst trash talkers in football period, which is surprising. Like it isn't, it isn't because people talk about Philip Rivers as a person and they say like as a locker room presence. And when you talk to him outside of football, he's like a super nice guy, even though he looks like a total jerk while he's on the field yelling and screaming at everybody. But I think that's part of like his persona that's on the field. Like if we're going to joke about anything, like nothing's everything's free game. If you're allowed to yeah. talk about height and your mom and stuff like that, then joking about seeing ghosts, I think is pretty okay. <laughs> Brad, how rattled yeah, is Sam Darnold? He looks <laughs> rattled. No question. He's, Seven I mean, picks in his last two games. And and at this point, he has to, like, this is when you start letting doubt creep in. Like, can I really do this? Like, it's one thing to have, have it happen against the Patriots. It's another thing to get beat by the Jaguars after they just traded Jalen Ramsey and and to look bad doing it. They, they're they not getting Le'Veon Bell involved near enough in this offense. And, well, and Adam Gase. I, yeah, nine yeah, carries like, for Bell but, yesterday but for 23 yards. That's the quarterback whisperer. That's the guy that that's supposed to be a quarterback guy. And... If that's the case, if this is what he's doing with your team, with your your franchise quarterback who's, what, 21, 22 years old, you've got to find a way to to get his confidence back. And to me, the easiest way to do that is getting the ball back in the hands of the running back who has proven before he can be among the best in the league when he's given a, a huge volume of touches. But 12 touches Well, you know who they enough. faced this week. Yeah, they Miami. They faced Miami. I mean, he can't get any better than that. So, you know, I, I will say this. Chris, we'll you know find out. Best... If he throws three picks against Miami, he may be done. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. The best quote I ever saw saw is our boy Emery Hunt that writes for our site and he had a whole debate with somebody else that was talking about Lamar Jackson versus Sam Darnold going forward and the biggest knock that people were saying about Lamar Jackson is this kind of play wasn't sustainable <laughs> and yesterday he texts me and he goes well at least this kind of play by Darnold is sustainable <laughs> <laughs> that's another one in hindsight like my goodness this this does not look good and Darnold threw a lot of picks last last year and I feel like a lot of people just give him the benefit of the doubt and heading into this year they got you know we none of us here like 
Adam Gase. I don't think a lot of people actually like Adam Gase, this big offensive guru. Mm, Adam Gase likes Adam Gase. <laughs> Adam Gase, yeah, you're right. He probably has a hard time looking in the mirror these days. But Miami coming up, the Giants, Washington, Oakland, Cincy, Miami. It honestly doesn't get any easier than that. And we've been we've said that on this show a bunch of times. Darnold is not a QB1, but maybe is a QB2. Let Bell maybe go acquire him, a buy-low opportunity, maybe another buy-low opportunity. Robbie Anderson, we like him, but is he going to get traded? There's some trade reports. Um, even deeper leagues, well, we'll do we like Demarius Thomas? Yeah, we will. We'll find out some more. In deeper leagues, do we like Demarius Thomas if Robbie's not around with you know that schedule coming up? I mean, Demarius led the way yesterday with the wideouts. Hernan, we still haven't seen. Like, Brad, are you still in on this Jets offense going forward, or is it it's a risk? Because I would imagine anybody that owns a New York Jet right now, they don't want him on their roster. No, and I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you can. I mean, this week against Miami, you mentioned that. Like, yeah, when they're playing the Dolphins, sure. But but outside of that, I, like, how, where is – who can you trust? Like, I, I, there isn't any – Demarius Thomas looks to me to be the most consistent guy. Robbie Anderson still has big playability, but they're not throwing the ball downfield at all. They're not taking any deep shots at all. And maybe that was something that Jacksonville, you know, was doing to him. The Patriots are famous for not giving up, you know, the big plays. So um, they're, you know, it's, it's possible that, that they're just putting guys over the top and taking that away from Robbie Anderson saying, hey, we're going to make you actually sustain a drive down the field against us. The Jaguars defense is still pretty good. It wasn't like it was all Jalen Ramsey. Um, at the same time, it, it just, there isn't anybody on the Jets that, that I'm excited about. There's, there's, I mean, are you okay getting... I, I will say this: When Chris Herndon comes back, he's the one guy that I think that I, as as barren as tight end is, Ryan Griffin had a big game yesterday: four catches, sixty-six yards, two touchdowns. And Chris Herndon is leaps and bounds above Ryan Griffin when it comes to to playing tight end. Even though we've only seen him for for the majority of one season, when he comes back off this injury, if he's healthy, I think there's a chance that he he will actually be fantasy relevant. And outside of that, there isn't anybody I want to touch. Yeah, I mean the tight end position is so weak. It's, I mean, he doesn't have to do a whole lot to to be a starting tight end for your fantasy team. Jake, do you want Bell? I mean, nine carries yeah. for twenty three yards. Mostly, mostly because you're going to get him close to what people are panicking and just willing to give up Joe Mixon for about two weeks. Uh, this is before Joe Mixon had ten carries for two rushing yards last week, not as in this past week because he bounced back this past week. But, and I'm not saying that it'd be like, oh, look at Joe Mixon because even at last week's point, I was like, I don't even know if I want Joe Mixon anymore. But the point being is it's the buy low window, as I joked on Twitter yesterday, it's the widest it's ever been. Like that now, is yeah. it's not going to get any lower than this unless people are getting fired and this is just beyond a miserable season because there's no way that he doesn't perform at least somewhat against the Dolphins. You got to think like Adam Gase, we could joke all along. He can't be that stupid. Like he's not like that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, listen, I, listen, we'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. I, I will. Yeah, I really want Bell too. I have some shares of Bell, and I'm hanging on. I'm I'm gonna try to grab him because the schedule is nice. And and I guess to you know wrap this up full circle here is let's get the ball out of Sam Darnold. It's like let's not have him throwing the ball a ton and throwing more picks. It's, let's hand it off to the running back that we paid all this money for, who has only one game so far with 20 carries and has one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown. It has not been good. You know, going back to the rookie running backs and Dave Montgomery, Miles Sanders broke out, had the big run, the 65-yarder, has been involved a little bit more through the air, Devin Singletary. Out of those three backs, Jake, do you want – who do you like the most? And, you know, Philly has been turning to the run a little bit. Is it still a frustrating backfield for you uh, between Howard and Sanders, or is it to the point now where maybe you can just get by with playing Sanders as a flex in a full-point PPR league? 
I don't. I don't think that you could get by with it. No. Mostly just because no, the the use is still a concern. If I mean, if you look at yesterday, it was still. Do you, you know what his stat count was yesterday? Yeah, he and he left two with a shoulder injury as well. Which I know, but even so, up until that point, it was only 13 snaps. Yeah, and it's not like they, that. That didn't happen in the first quarter, and that was a game that was beyond like what people would expect for a normal game because it was so run and dink and dunk heavy because the wind was ridiculous. It was 30 plus miles an hour. So, if you look at it, oh, you know this. Yeah, you you were there, so <laughs> you know how. How did that feel, by the way, sitting in that wind? That had to be like pretty miserable. Huh? Yeah, you know what? It was it was decent. The, the tailgate before there was when I had tweeted about Josh Allen, I said I had taken Josh Allen, um, you know, out of my lineup. And then because, you know, it, around 10 o'clock Eastern, it was crazy. Like the wind, the rain sideways, like, tents were flying all over the place. It was just like, let's get sheltered. There's no way I can play Josh Allen. I don't care if he's going to run around like a madman. I'm not playing him. And then towards kickoff, once we got in the stadium, it was still windy but not as rainy. And I, I, I tweeted, like, I got Josh Allen as a QB 14 now. I would I would play him over Carson Wentz. I have more concerns about Carson Wentz. And then I started getting all these old take exposed tweets, like, oh, Josh Allen's awesome. <laughs> like, what are you guys talking about? He threw for 160 yards, and he's QB 14 with one more game on the go. And I think we had Rodgers and Matt Moore maybe pass him yesterday. So, um yeah, it was it was a sloppy game. It was really windy. I think the Eagles maybe exposed the the Bills a little bit. Now it's back to back games where you know last week they had given up nearly 400 yards, is the most they'd given up all year against Miami. And then this week, the Eagles were able to to run on them. But I, I agree with you. I think it's just because I've had a lot of Sanders questions this morning. Like, can I can I play this guy now? Like, because it's the same thing as Montgomery, Brad. You have yeah, Sanders. He-, he wasn't in your starting lineup. Right. And the difference with the difference with Sanders is he's everybody knows he's extremely dynamic compared like Devin Singletary and and David Montgomery are not guys that you expect to break big runs like big type plays. That's the one thing that I I thought Miles Sanders could do is that they get him in space, let him go in and run wild. And because he he is a lot a lot shiftier than those guys are. So. Yeah, three carries, not ideal. But when he's busting runs like that, and and he's you know then he has three catches for forty four yards, you got to think at some point they they're gonna start giving him the ball a little more. Jordan Howard serves a purpose, and I he's really good I think for this offense. But from a fantasy standpoint, everybody wants Sanders to start getting more touches, and you got to think as dynamic as he is, they're gonna try to find a way to get him the ball a little more. Yeah, but I think it's just through the air. I, I think Jordan Howard, I mean, his 23 carries the second most for the week, and I know, again, the weather and sloppiness and, and up in the game, they lean on him a little bit more, but I think he's really the only back that you can trust, and I say that with, like, kind of, you know, like, lightly, because it is the Eagles and Doug Peterson still, and you can turn around and, and certainly frustrate you, but I think Sanders, you just have to predict kind of game script. Like, against the Bears, it could be a lot of Howard. You know, you get the revenge factor, haha. But after the bye, you got New England. Let's be honest, they're going to be able to score some points in the Eagles, so that could be a Sanders game. Maybe you just kind of play the the game script. Let's move over to to Detroit. Um, Ty Johnson, 38% of the snaps, seven carries, four targets. Trey Carson, (laughs) again, I didn't watch a lot of football yesterday, but I checked my phone after the first quarter, and I'm like, wow, okay, Carson is is the guy in in Detroit right now. Awesome. Uh, J.D. McKissick, one carry, 26%. Paul Perkins, who, Jake, I know you brought up as I think exactly kind of what you said is, this is going to be a mess. They even have Paul Perkins activated. 
Yeah, well, uh, joke, the joke was that Paul Perkins was going to vulture the goal line touchdown, but he was in, I think, like the fourth or fifth series. It was, it was kind of mixing everything out. Like Ty Johnson didn't even get the initial carries. It was all uh, Trey Carson, and yeah. then Ty Johnson comes in, and his first play is a play action that goes for an interception. So it was just a mess, and the fact is that, you know, the Lions are, you know, what we were scared in the fact that it's not even just a committee of Ty Johnson and somebody. It's Four people. Four people are involved in this backfield. So, And he wasn't even the lead in the snap counts. It was Trey Carson. Yeah. So, look, you know, this is what happens. You take some chances. Hopefully you didn't go too crazy with Ty Johnson. We all made the same thing. Like, if you told me who I want to waiver pick up out of the entire backfield, I would have said Ty Johnson, too, over McKissick and all the type of rest of it. But we also said on this very show that, you know, don't forget McKissick's not going anywhere. We just didn't expect Trey Carson to be the lead. And Paul Perkins to also be involved. So guess what? Now this is a dead backfield to everybody. Brad, how many times have we said this on the show? Going back to baseball season, and I know Ty is not this flashy rookie, but we've said this all the time. Like when rookies get called up, and no matter what sport or somebody's, you know, just an opportunity, it's probably you know the value is is not going to be as high. We I mean, could say that was Chase Edmonds. Imagine just flipping Chase Edmonds after that one game. I know we didn't think he was going to get hurt, but Ty Johnson, the same thing, and you were able to to flip him and get a decent piece in return. Yeah, I got. I mean, in a dynasty a dynasty league, I got a first rounder for him. Him and a couple other uh, mediocre pieces. You wouldn't be able and to get so, that today. No, and and that's the thing. Like it, it's you know, I tried to capitalize on the on the value because uh, number one, Ty Johnson was not going to be a player for my team, and so number two, it, it, it's like I'm not. The value is not going to be any higher right now. Even if he goes out, say he goes out and and runs for twenty carries, eighty five yards, and a score. How much more than a first-round pick are you going to get at that point? So I, I just felt like the value is, is, was still the same because on Johnson is not going away. on Johnson is still there. Yes, the rest of this year, fine. But next year, Ty Johnson goes back to being, you know, at, at best a complimentary piece and a handcuff. And that that was the best-case scenario for him. And so they they – it's it's it was a weird game to watch because you expected them to be better than this against the Giants and they basically didn't stop the Giants offense at all like in any phase of the game Saquon Barkley was was basically doing whatever he wanted Daniel Jones looked like a legit NFL quarterback which we've seen this before but we we when we saw it before he was doing a lot more scrambling he only had four rushing attempts yesterday he threw for 322 yards and four touchdowns yesterday and they were all legit drives going down the field it wasn't like a fluke play or anything here and there so um it's it's you know it, i i i would be a lot more concerned about the lions after this game because yes they you know stafford had the game that we all thought he probably would have kenny galladay had the game that a lot of people thought he would have but they have no running game without carry on johnson it's really scary right now because there isn't a single guy they can trust and if teams start trying to tee off on matt stafford He's not a mobile quarterback or anything like that. And and I think that might be the secret to him is just blitzing him like crazy and, and forcing them to use the running game against him. Jake, did you order a Daniel Jones jersey yet? No, I don't need to. Why not? Support him. No. no One game. Four TDs, 322. It, with oh. no Darius Slay. Oh, we're going to do this again, the same <laughs> thing we did after the Buccaneers game? <laughs> yeah, we are. We're going to do this again, and we're, we're also going to talk about the KC watch. running backs again because that's what we do. We talk about Daniel Jones, and we talk about the Chiefs running backs every single week. And Jake and I were actually talking uh, amongst ourselves, Brad, and we were like, how are we going to let Brad – like, how are we going to give this news to him that Damian is maybe one of the biggest busts of all time? And we're going to be able to say again in the offseason that he's never had over 50 carries in a season, and he's only had more than 13 carries in one game. And then 
then all of a sudden LeSean McCoy puts the ball on the ground and gives Damian life and he finds the end zone. This backfield has been a complete mess all year long, but I think Shady putting the ball on the ground has maybe given Damian a little bit of life going forward. I did, Brad, we don't want to spend, you know, 20 minutes on the Chiefs here, but you want to share your thoughts? Yeah, sure. And I, I this was my concern to begin with. It, even if it was an injury from McCoy, at some point he there, you know, this guy's 30, 31 years old and he carries the ball I guess not watching him in, in Buffalo. He's done his whole him career. Much. His whole, his whole career. career. He carries the ball so loosely. And I, I don't understand how, how teams have just allowed him to do this. But he's now fumbled multiple times in big situations. Like, it's not just like, oh, here and there. It's, it, no, like, this is, this is two big fumbles that have basically cost them games. Or at least cost them, put their team in a really tough position to where a, a team scored a touchdown to go up late in a game because of a bad play and it's it's at this at this point i think i think you saw it at the end of the game after that fumble andy Reid had had enough he's like you know what i i don't know what i'm going to do going forward i'm not saying that he's not going to play this next week but he LaShawn McCoy never saw the field again after that. And Damian Williams was the guy. And granted, he was the guy with Matt Moore as his quarterback. And so th there was a little more, I, I think a lot more guys in the box than what you would see if Mahomes there. At the same time, he still was able to, to get a few runs uh, for productivity, got the touchdown. They just showed like it was him and Daryl Williams after that. And, and Shady was out of there. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case going forward until one of those guys breaks down or, or fumbles or something because they're, they're tired of turnovers costing them games. Jake, is this a scenario now again? I think we've said this a couple of weeks that maybe you can't trust any running back, but I thought they, and it was, you know, with Matt Moore under center, it kind of did go the way I thought where Sean McCoy was going to get, a, you know, a few more touches on the ground and, you know, maybe he doesn't fumble. It's, it's a different story. Maybe he ends up with, with 20 carries, but is this to a point now where you just, you absolutely don't play a chief Jake, or maybe Damien does have some life going forward here and is still kind of a small buy, buy low opportunity, or maybe you could just grab him off the waiver wire. No, see, uh, I, I'm going to go back to the fact that I think this team's going to go right back to LeSean McCoy, McCoy. And, and give him another chance. And I don't think Damian Williams is going to completely left the side. Like, up until that point, when you and I were talking, it was because he had zero touches. Right, Damian he Williams wasn't even on the field, even, really. Yeah, he wasn't even touching the ball. So I, I think maybe this is more of Damian Williams saves some of his opportunities in games, but unless LaShawn McCoy gets hurt or like fumbles again next week, I could see them fumbling again and pulling the bill check. And now you're in the doghouse and you're not coming out for a while. If we're going to keep succeeding without you. So I think that's the bigger issue I have. And I think a lot of it's going to hinge on Patrick Mahomes too. If Patrick Mahomes comes back. It kind of comes down to the confidence level of who's the best pest blocker and the initial reports because you want to keep Patrick Mahomes healthy. He's going to try and return in week nine, which is just insane. That is insane, but by the way. The initial reports were LaShawn McCoy was not going to be on the field because he wasn't pass blocking well, which, again, I even say sounds crazy to talk about somebody at this point of his career not pass blocking well who has performed well in the past. So maybe that gives Damian Williams another side of life. But if you're going to ask me, do I trust any of them in week nine? Absolutely not. Not against Minnesota either. It's not like Minnesota's lighting the world on fire defensively, but it is still a strong enough defense that if you're going to tell me that LaShawn McCoy might be the lead and Damian Williams might be mixed in more and Daryl Williams is going to be involved a little bit, I just stay away. Sounds like a mess to me for sure. We know the upside is, is definitely there if you're in a pinch as a flex potentially with with Mahomes I do think they'll go back to shady but I I think that they're you know one more fumble it's almost like the Chris Carson thing and he's not going to change the way he runs the football Brad 
That's what he. That's yeah, what he's done since day one in Philly. I mean, there's been so I've, so many people have talked about this before, and and they have asked him the question. It's it's how he carries a football, and I don't think he's going to change at this point of his career. But if he drops it again and puts it on the ground, I mean, that could be game over for him in in this offense. Because you're right, it did cost them yesterday. That was a huge fumble in that game. I, I want to just before we get out of here, I really just kind of want to throw at Aaron Jones. Like, there's really nothing to to say of Aaron Jones. Like, you have him amazing, but Jake, if you were to rank, you know. Start, like, rest of the season, I don't want to do that because it's all matchup dependent and scheduling. But if you could go back in time and rank Aaron Jones <laughs> as an RB, where would you have this guy? Is is it like McCaffrey, Cook, Barkley, Jones, or Zeke? I guess ahead of him. Like, is he a for sure top five back? Would you do that if you were to re rank? I still wouldn't. No, and just because, because of the carries, he's not getting the carries. It's he's getting so many catches. He's getting so many catches, and he's getting so many catches because it's Devontae Adams. I, I think it, it kind of concerns – well, so if I could foresight and say I knew Devontae Adams was going to get hurt and everything, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. go back to yesterday, still 64% of snaps. Right. Not that, you know, you know, and he got banged up a little bit, but he got banged up a little bit because that's who Aaron Jones is. It's, again, I'm going to put him right where I had him, top 15, like fringe RB1. That's where we're going to continue to have him because – if you could tell me Aaron Jones, the same argument I made all offseason, you could tell me Aaron Jones was going to be on the field for 70% of the time. If he was going to get 20 touches a game, he would be firmly inside the top 10. And, yes, your question of can we talk about him as top five, absolutely. Devontae Adams is out. I he helps even more. But Devontae Adams is healthy. Jamal Williams is looking the best he's ever looked before. Yeah. They still split this backfield. Jamal Williams had 46% snaps to you know the 64 for Aaron Jones. And, that's just what it comes down to. It's, it's again, one of the most efficient runners on his per-touch basis, but the touches are just never going to be consistent enough for me to put him in the Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. That role, not quite. If you want to put him right outside of that and right now with how the season is going with other running backs, like you tell me going forward, I'll take him over Le'Veon Bell, absolutely, but I still want to take him over Nick Chubb even with Kareem Hunt coming back. He's top 10 for me, so maybe moved a few spots. Yeah, you know, I want to just – do Chubb for for one quick second, but for for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and what we kind of talked about with Latavius Murray, Brad, I think Jamal Williams kind of fits that mold as well. Is he's still on the field as Jake is talking about? He's he's still getting some touches. Aaron Rodgers is it just seems to be throwing to those two running backs, and I know things will probably change when Devontae Adams comes back. But Jamal Williams is one of those guys too. Like yeah, it is a committee, but you can start this guy. It seems like week in and week out as long as he's healthy. Yeah, you can. But right now, he's. it feels like he's extremely touchdown dependent. He's not piling up yards. He's not piling up a ton of touches. But he got two touchdowns yesterday. And so it, it, it changes kind of how, you know, how his line looks at the end of the day. But I was shocked how well Jones did in the receiving game. Not that they weren't going to get him the ball some, especially with Devontae Adams out. But he, I mean, he busted one. It was like a almost like a wide receiver screen. And he went 70 yards to the house on it. And that's not the kind of play you expect from him. Like, you you know, maybe like a, a 15, 20 yard gain, fine, um, you know, with good blocking. But he, he doesn't strike me watching him run as this guy who's a burner, who's going to outrun everybody down the field. And I think it's kind of, it's deceptively quick. And, and whereas we know Jamal Williams is definitely not that guy. He's more of a, a banger, bruiser type running back uh, between the tackles kind of guy. Whereas I think they're trying to, they're figuring out ways to make Aaron Jones more effective. And I, that's, to me, that's a, a credit to Matt LaFleur. Like he's, he's, as he's moved along this season, they've been able to win games without Devontae Adams with a, an atrocious receiving core. It doesn't matter who else they throw out there. No one else is any good. Alan Lazard is their best receiver the last last you know three weeks or whatever, and 
but MVS is terrible. Geronimo Allison is terrible. Jimmy Graham's irrelevant. Like all these guys, even Kumaro, you know, he had a couple big catches, but it, it was they're they're basically irrelevant from a fantasy standpoint. And yet the Packers are still, you know, what six and one, seven and one. Like they're they're still a legit NFC contending team, and it's it's really impressive. On the way out, because I saw some people, you know, not literally crying, but pretty much crying about Nick Chubb and the two fumbles <laughs> and Kareem Hunt was coming back soon. And he's still a couple weeks away. I believe week 10 against Buffalo is when he's eligible. So, he, you know, you're not going to see him week nine against the Broncos. Because of all that chatter, Jake, I actually feel like there's a buy-low opportunity here for Chubb. And, and are we still on the same page as, as selling Kareem Hunt right now? Uh, both. And it's only, as you said, it's only going to get worse because people are already – giving you opportunity to buy low because people are ready to cast off Nick Chubb for this scared situation of Kareem Hunt, which again, unless you look, Nick Chubb fumbles two more times in a game and then two more times in the game, you know, or even three more fumbles over the next two games, then you know what? <laughs> your, your buy low wasn't yeah. such a great buy low because now, but Nick Chubb is not going to see that much to Kareem Hunt for look at how good he was. Look how good he was even with the fumbles. I mean, guy had what, 46 yards before like the first couple carries, like two or four carries and on top yeah, of those the awesome fumbles. Besides the fumbles. Yeah. And let's talk about the schedule. The Broncos can be run on. That's how you beat them. The Bills are, okay, whatever. But then, and that's when we get Kareem Hunt back. But Dolphins, Steelers again, Bengals, Cardinals, and then the Ravens defense to finish things out, which, again, is not a good defense. They, hell, the fact that they have the Dolphins and the Bengals back in there. Kareem yeah. Hunt could have the flex value. It's not the worry for Nick Chubb. That's what you got to look at. Yeah, I agree. And and we've seen this in other games this year. The Patriots can be run on. And the Browns, it's like the Browns realized that. They took a, advantage of it. That's why they're even potentially even in the game in the second half because they had three consecutive plays. It was a Nick Chubb fumble, a Baker Mayfield interception, and then a Nick Chubb fumble. Three consecutive turnovers. And at that point, it was just kind of like, can they even run a play where they don't turn the ball over? And the Patriots defense somehow finds a way to be relevant again. This next week will be the first time the Patriots defense is is going to be really challenged. They play the Ravens in Baltimore off with the Ravens coming off a bye week. I want every bit of Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram in this game because I think this is when the Patriots defense finally gets shut down a little bit. And when you say shut down, meaning they get scored on, I think the Ravens win this game. And I, I think it'll be, you know, the next couple of days, I'm not saying the next couple of days with, with trade talk, Jay Glazer just came out and said the Patriots are still looking for a wide receiver, even after getting Muhammad Sanu. So they're, they're still looking to add guys on the outside, which is mind blowing to me. But at the same time, it's, it feels like what, where are their other holes right now? They're, you know, they don't really have any outside of their offensive line to me. And that's tough to acquire at the tra- trade deadline. Yeah, I'm sure Baltimore is going to want to run the football uh, against New England. Obviously, that's what they do. But, yeah, to keep Tom Brady off the field. That'll be a, a very entertaining game. Brad calling shots here, saying Baltimore is going to win. Does Miami win tonight? No. No, 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 no. This is <laughs> – Do they cover I, if 14 I, If you're and in a Monday night DFS game, a Monday-Thursday game, I want every bit of James Conner in this game that I can get. This every is lineup. just going to be the Conner show tonight, Jake? Uh, it should be the James Conner and, and maybe you, yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna say you might even see Samuels like somebody. Is, out, right? is he out for sure? I thought he was kind of a game. No, time. he was all of a sudden sounding like yeah. He was sounding like all of a sudden he was practicing yeah. on full on Friday. Yeah, it was pretty crazy to hear that. I thought it was a gonna quick be, turnaround. Yeah, yeah was, really was, quick this turnaround. could be like this could be a random touchdown, maybe like a Deontay or a Vance McDonald or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You want to give a, a little sneak preview of your waiver wire? Or just no, no dice. Give us one. No. Give us one. No. Give us one. No. No. 
It's Fred. It's old Freddy it. boy from from Go to athletic.com slash the throwback yeah. and pay for it. Darius, Darius, <laughs> yeah. Darius Slayton's going to be everybody's pickup of the week. Oh, baby. Fred Brown, two targets, one catch, one more target, one more catch than Bayshawn Hamilton. Uh, give Jake a follow at All in Kid, at Brad Ziegler, at Chris Meany. Brad said it best. Athletic.com slash the throwback will give you 40% off. You'll be able to check out Jake's waiver wire column coming out tonight, 1201, and all of his rankings and all of the podcasts. Over 100 now at The Athletic, including the latest Dunks and Dimes with Brennan Funson and Eric Wong, all surrounded around fantasy basketball. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll try to. We'll be back on Wednesday. Cheers. Mm-hmm.